people who belong to him. And, and I know there are some. But we have an opportunity to have a man here among us who is one of those uh, men of, man of integrity, a man who loves God, who loves his family, loves Nathan, his wife, Julie, and blesses us with his leadership. And uh, I'm thankful to call him my friend. And so, Kent, appreciate your, uh, the blessing that you uh, are about to give us. And I also love my daughter, Danielle. She's not here right now. Okay. <laughs> um, when Stu asked me uh, a little while ago to speak today, um, you know, we just have these waves coming at us. And, and all I see an awful lot of times, and this was few weeks ago was just a lot of anger, a lot of rage. You know, it seems everyone is on edge, and it seems in my town and the people I come across with, too, patience is a lot shorter. It doesn't mean it gets into an argument, but it just, people are on edge. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of fear. And it seems like it's coming in waves, and I'm expecting more waves to come. I don't expect this to end real soon. So I came across my first thing. I actually, the, the thing that came to me when I was anger and rage and everything else was why can't it be love your neighbor as yourself? And that's what my title is. I don't know. Mike doesn't have it up yet. But, Ve'ahavta l'reacha k'moka. I'm going to ask you to say that a couple times as we go through. You know, we say Ve'ahavta. And Jason does a great job every week with the Ve'ahavta. And, you know, that's love the Lord your God with all your, all your strength, all your might, with all your heart all your strength and with all your very it actually says very it doesn't even say may, might on the end it's just your very sorry that's from another teaching but it's just whatever your very is your very essence of you that's what you love your God with but I kept thinking of love your neighbor and I started that but then when I started writing I came across and I thought it was well, how do you start this? And I was thinking of all this anger and rage. And go ahead to the next slide, Mike. And I came across Colossians. You know, at one time, you also walked in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Isn't that what we're all doing right now? Anger, rage, malice to anyone on almost any subject. I'm angry about this. I'm angry about this. I'm angry about masks. I'm angry against masks. I'm angry against the people. Come down a notch. 
And it says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the creator. But then I went to, you know, yes, we have everybody in the world seems like they're angry with each other. And we want to split off from each other this and this and this. And we all want to separate from each other. And we want to separate six feet from each other, which is good. But it's still like we all want to separate from each other. But it also seems like we're doing this in the church as well. We don't value all our brothers and sisters in the churches across the way. Um, You know, there's anger in the kingdom. It's anger against our neighbors. Why can't we set them all aside? Why can't we get rid of it all? Because we're missing the point. God's kingdom is built on twin towers of foundations. I like how Dr. Tony Evans says this, pastor down in Dallas. God's kingdom is built on two things. Go to the next slide, Mike. Well, then go to the next one. Anger, rage. And I've heard some people, man, I missed that one. But, you know, and I've heard people talk about this as I read different things, preparing for whatever's going to happen in the next waves. Whether it's actually going to become actual conflict or there's going to be actual things that we need to prepare for. And we do need to prepare for certain things. But why are we setting up that anger and rage will answer anger and rage? That's not what we were called to do. How is that going to defeat anything? To be angry right back at someone that's angry at you. Does that ever solve anything? And I did that this week too. And I'm admonishing myself. Go ahead. To the next one. Mike. And you know, and it, it's funny, it says it in Colossians, but it says it in Ephesians too. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander. How many times do we slander somebody else in all our arguments today, in all our political debates, in all our sports team debates or anything else? You know, something that's so innocuous as sports and to something that can be as important as politics or something as important as family, we have to slander somebody else in order to win the argument. Why? When we're told, get rid of all of it. And then there's something that I say every single night as part of one of my prayers. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Go ahead to the next one. But these are the twin towers of God's foundation of his throne. It says clouds and Psalms 97 verse 2 says clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness 
and justice are the foundation of his throne. It's righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. You know, some churches will focus on righteousness. They'll focus on being in right standing with God. They'll focus on the unborn. They'll focus on marriage sanctity. They'll focus on other things and want... It's all about God's righteousness. Well, that's great. But then some other churches focus on justice and the justice for the downtrodden or the dignity of each person. Each person is made in God's image. Or the intolerance or those left out. And some churches focus on the righteousness and some focus on the justice. And then they point at the other one saying, well, you're not concerned about this. And you're not concerned about this. And that's what the other church will yell back. Say, well, you don't care about the downtrodden. Well, you don't care about following God's Torah. They're not mutually exclusive because he says himself, it's righteousness and justice. And he says it multiple times. And you know, any times that God says something in his word multiple times, you better pay attention. You know, when we're accusing one another, saying this church doesn't do this and that church doesn't do this, it reminds me of Matthew 7 during the Sermon on the Mount. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Can you just hear Yeshua saying that? I don't want him to say that to me. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye, your sister's eye. You know, I've seen this in my own life. I've concentrated so much on righteousness and wanting people around me to have the right standing with God that I've alienated those people. Push them away. And then they're no longer listening. That's what's happened to me, and that's on an individual level. I think it also happens on the church level. We're supposed to be united. Jesus prayed that we all be united. You know, and everybody likes the quote, the verse that Jesus says, it says a kingdom that's divided itself can't stand. And yet we got thousands of different variations of Christianity and Judaism and Messianic and believers. And we all say, you do this wrong and you do that wrong. And all we're doing is dividing. 
and we're not saying we have more in common with our neighbors in churches than we do with my neighbor that's right next to me or lives right above me or lives right next to me. I have more in common with the person that's going to another church than I do with those people because we have a connection to Yeshua. We're like spokes on a wheel. We each have that little metal thing that connects us to Yeshua. But it takes all of us with those connections to make a wheel and make it go forward. We knock a bunch of those spokes out because, oh, And what do we have? We have a wheel that doesn't go very far. You know, he says this several times. I'll go back to Psalm 97.2. Clouds and thick darkness. And everybody says when it's bright and sunny, that's the Lord. But he describes himself as saying clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Go to the next one, Mike. It also says in Psalm 89, verse 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. The very exact same thing. When God repeats himself, he doesn't waste words. Love and faithfulness go before you seems like we have to have righteousness and justice and then love and faithfulness go from before you. The, in Isaiah 59, is amazing. I don't think I put it as one of the slides, Mike. But he's talking about separation from God. And he says, justice is turned back and righteousness stands far off. For truth has stumbled in the street and uprightness cannot enter. So now truth is missing. And what is truth? His word is truth. So his word is missing. And whoever shuns evil becomes prey. That's a scary verse if I've ever read one. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far off. For truth has stumbled in the street and uprightness cannot enter. So now... God's word is missing. So now truth is missing. And whoever shuns evil becomes prey. That makes me shudder. And then, you know, Micah 6 8. Well, I'll leave that alone. How about Isaiah 1 21 through 23? What's God's complaint? Go ahead, Mike, with that one. See how Jerusalem 
once so faithful, has become a prostitute. Once the home of justice and righteousness, she is now filled with murderers. Once like pure silver, you have become like worthless slag. Once so pure, you are now watered down wine. We got to get back to that righteousness and justice. In John 16:8, to answer those who say I'm talking too much out of the Old Testament, I'm going to use a verse from the New Testament. Um, this is Yeshua and his the prayer in John 16, or wherein he's praying before that, before the high priestly prayer, but he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's going to give him the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit has come, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So again, it's an and. He's doing all those things. It's not just sin. It's and righteousness and judgment and justice. Those are actually the same word in Hebrew, mishpat. So so what's the answer? You go back to the roots. You go back to the principles, to the foundation. And Yeshua has the answer. And this is where I started with when I started putting this together. It's Mark 12. You go to the next slide, Mike. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, as far as Jesus or Yeshua answered them well. He asked them, which commandment is the most important of all? And then Yeshua answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. And in the Greek, it just says the second this. <laughs> so it's almost like they're co-equal. And you shall love the, your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And to me, as I look at the various ones throughout the Gospels, it's, well, love your Lord your God relates to me as far as righteousness. We want right standing with God. And we want to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your strength with all your might. But all the love your neighbor as yourself is talking about justice and mercy for your neighbor. Is it? You want justice for that person who's in a position that's below. You want them taken care of. You want to take care of your neighbor. You know, when I told my wife this 
sermon, one thing she came up with, you know, when we talk about churches, and we always think about who's there, but a lot of times it's about who's not there. Who's not in our congregation? That's who we want to make sure of. Who's not in our congregation? If they're too rich, too poor, too this way, too that way. We got to reach out and be closer to our neighbor. You know, when he quoted Ve'ahavta Lerhecha Kamoka, when Yeshua did that, it's talking about Leviticus, and it's Leviticus 19:18 is love your neighbors yourself. But it is interesting. You know, when they say a verse, and this is the Hebrew way of thinking that is so helpful. When they say a verse, they're not just saying that verse. They're saying that section of scripture. It, it doesn't just mean that verse. It means that whole thing. When you say the Shema, Shema Israel, Adonai Elohim, Adonai Echad, it isn't just that verse. It's the whole section that follows it. But with love your neighbors yourself, a lot of times when we think of love your neighbors yourself, we think of, well, that's all lovey-dovey. Well, when you read what's in Leviticus, it's not all lovey-dovey. Loving your neighbor involves different things. And I'll just... Starts in 11 to 18. It's basically the section that a lot of commentators consider that's the section, even though it crosses the Aliyah portions. But you are not to steal, you are not to lie, you are not to deceive one another. You are not to swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am Adonai. You are not to oppress your neighbor nor rob him. The wages of a hired servant are not to remain with you all night until the morning. You are not to curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind. But you shall fear your God. I am Adonai. You are not to do no injustice in judgment. You are not to be partial toward the poor, nor show favoritism toward the great you are to judge your neighbor with fairness. You are not to go up and down as a talebearer among your people. You are not to endanger the life of your neighbor. I am Adonai. You are not to hate your brother in your heart. Instead, you are to firmly rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You are not to take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am as an Adonai. Now, all those different precepts, and I'll go through a couple of them, I hope that gives you a different picture of what your love in your neighbor is actually about. You know, I... You are not to curse the deaf, which seems 
not very effective. But we seem to do that anyway. You know, when Jesus said all the time, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. What does that imply? There are some who do not have ears. They may not be physically deaf, but they may be spiritually deaf. You're not to curse the deaf until God gives them, hopefully, grants them the repent, you know, ability to have repentance and forgiveness in their lives. You're not to put a stumbling block before the blind. Again, it doesn't seem very effective. Why would you do that? But again, all the teachings in the Renewed Covenant talk about there are some who can't see. Don't lead them astray. Don't put additional stumbling blocks before them so that hopefully they can come to repentance. You are to do no injustice in judgment. You are not to be partial towards the poor because the poor... nor show favoritism toward the great. You aren't supposed to have justice to say, well, that person can afford it, so I'm going to rule in favor of the poor person. And you're not supposed to show favoritism toward the rich or the great, and that's what we do in our society an awful lot of times, because we say, well, I don't want to bring shame onto them. No. You're supposed to treat your neighbor with fairness. And that, this can go into so many little conversations that we have. And what do we say? Well, this person should be favored, or this person should be favored. You're not to hate your brother in your heart. I was told by... Rabbi had in, in Wichita that it's Judaism is really they take this to heart. It's confrontational. But then they'd still be friends afterward. But they would tell you, Well, if you're what you're doing wrong. Because you're not just responsible for yourself, you're responsible for the community supposed to take care of each other. If you see someone getting out of, heading down the wrong road, tell them. Don't hate your brother in heart because, as one commentator said, you just look at Absalom and Amnon. Absalom kept it in his heart. You can read about that in 1 Samuel, I think. But, if it's 1 or 2 Samuel, but it's held it for two years and then he killed his brother. He hated his brother in his heart. You are to firmly rebuke a neighbor and not bear sin because of them. And you're not to take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of people, but love your neighbors yourself. Ve'ahavta, Oreaka, Kamoka. And then I'll go back 
to what Yeshua said. It's kind of a continuation of the same story I told you earlier from Mark 12. Now a certain Torah lawyer or a certain scribe stood up to entrap Yeshua, saying, Teacher, what should I do to gain eternal life? Yeshua said to him, and this is in Luke 10, What has been written in the Torah? How do you read it? And he replied, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Yeshua said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to vindicate himself, he said to Yeshua, Then who is my neighbor? And Yeshua replied, and I know you know this story, but I'm just saying it again for you. A certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was attacked by robbers who stripped him and beat him. Then they left, abandoning him as half dead. And by chance, a Kohen was, a priest was going down that road. But when he saw the man, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan who was traveling came upon him, and when he noticed the man, he felt compassion. Samaritans and Jews in that day and age hated each other. This was Turks and Greeks. This was in North Korean and South Korea. <laughs> It was Broncos and the Raiders. There you go. Or Broncos and the Chiefs now. But yeah. The Broncos and Raiders when it's Raider Week. I mean, it was vicious. Likewise, but a Samaritan who was traveling by came upon him, and when he noticed the man, he felt compassion. I like this one saying. It says, you know, we have this phrase, make love. You don't make love, though. You feel love. He felt compassion, and then he did something. But a Samaritan who was traveling came upon him. When he noticed the man, he felt compassion. He went up to him, then bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then setting him on his own animal, he brought him to a lodge for travelers and took care of him. The next day he took out the two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of them. Whatever else you spend upon my return, I'll repay you myself. Which of these three seemed to you a neighbor to the ones attacked by robbers? And the scribe said, The one who showed mercy to him. Then Yeshua said to him, Go, and you do the same. So we still have a lot of people with a lot of anger rage, a lot of fear. What are we going to do? How are we going to overcome where we separate ourselves into little different groups all the time? I'm going to challenge you to do something. Sometime in the next few weeks, I want you to visit another congregation and pick a congregation that's completely different than what you've ever gone to before. And go and be an outsider.
to that congregation and see how an outsider is. We always like to want to, well, come to our place, come to our place. I think we're going to need to rely on each other far more in the days ahead, and it won't be just the couple dozen individuals here. But anybody who has a connection to Yeshua is going to be our neighbor. We need to be united. We need to love our neighbor. And this doesn't mean that when somebody's attacking you, that's your neighbor. No, but we do have neighbors in the faith or coming to faith or don't know about the faith yet. And we need to reach out to them and love them. We need to love them. And it's not just the shepherds. I know Pastor Stu meets with other folks. That's why I'm challenging you. Because when we're alone, when things are getting tight, tighter than now, we're going to need others. And that's in your song. I like what you said, Lee, earlier, that God wants character, not charisma. We can have character when we go out and see other people. And I liked your song. And it goes back to what I hear from some, and from believers that say, we got to arm up and take the battle to them. Or if the battle comes to us, yeah, woo. Look what your song says. The battle belongs to the Lord. And then how do you overcome evil? You overcome evil with good and with love. But you have to have a discerning mind to know where that love is rightly placed. So ask the God to show you. Ask God to show you. That's all. Before you leave, Kent, um, I'll pray over you, brother. Uh, Father, I'm thankful that you gave this message to my brother, Kent. Uh, thank you for opening your word to him and uh, bringing a message that challenges us uh, to see 